0: hello everyone and welcome to paul and moses play a celebration of games and play and a deep dive into video games and what makes them special to us i'm your host paul berberich and with me as always is dr moses wolfenstein hello moses hello paul we are back we are back indeed without a guest this week it's a uh... Just the two of us. Just, just, uh, just a, a two banger with the hosts. That's what, that's what this one's called. That's
1: how uh, it will be perceived by uh, you know those who, who see a title of some sort.
0: Exactly. Maybe. <laughs> Whether or not the words spell that out, they'll, it'll be a vibe. How how are you, Moses? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit uh,
1: under rested, so there might be some some oddly lucid moments in in today's pod. Um, but uh, I'll fill you in on on details. But broadly, how are
0: you? Feeling pretty good, packing up the house. Yep. Right. There are other things you could have been packing (laughs) Right. I don't know about short notice, but a short window here of of packing. We have about uh, 10 days and now uh, fewer than that um, to pack everything up. Um, We have movers, which is a godsend, so it's pretty doable. You just kind of got to knuckle down and, and do a bit each day
1: bits and pieces so to speak i mean i'll tell you i haven't done too many moves in my life you know i moved like something like eight times in two years or something Mm -hmm. it was crazy yeah um so maybe it was eight times in two and a half years um it is so much better when you do actually have everything packed before the movers show up it's just such a massive quality improvement on your on your move experience then if cuz then otherwise you go like, no 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 don't not that stuff over there everything Oof. in that back room just yeah. don't touch it cuz we still have to deal with it it's like embarrassing too
0: Oh, it sounds awful and then you're spending more because they charge by the hour so any any time deliberating is not time they're moving boxes so
1: precisely precisely yeah. so yeah
0: yeah nice. so of course
1: my big news is that uh I'm a pseudo bachelor this week mm-hmm. um I'll be Of course, when Angelica returns, I'll be far less of a bachelor, but she just finished her last class in her bachelor's degree, has been accepted to an MFA program at the IAIA in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So hugely exciting. It actually starts this summer. Um, I'm very excited for her, but she is out east after a hellish day of travel. I took her to the airport in an ungodly hour this morning of four something in the morning. Um, So I was on an hour of sleep at that point dozed off for uh probably another hour uh hence we were just a hair late and getting in some of our fighting game touch Mm -hmm. base on that in a bit um but yeah that's a that's my weird reality it's just me and the three cats right now
0: yeah yeah hour of sleep man i as someone who regularly pushes it you know and we're talking four or five hours uh yeah it's it's a rough place to be but you you got some coffee in you and and i you know i have faith in you
1: All right, I think I promised last time that I was going to flip things just a little bit more here. Um, And uh, I am going to down down rank Carcassonne down to number 10. Uh, And what I am going to slip in at number nine is the first and maybe, but maybe not, the only Atari game that will make um, my list. There's only one other that's a contender uh, for the list. but at, at number nine now for me is warlords the classic four-player paddle atari game you couldn't really i can't remember if it works without oh right because, i don't think it works with that without the paddles uh, maybe it was possible to play the two-player version of it with the joystick but it was miserable experience with the joystick where it was actually a really smooth experience with the paddles yeah um and like i don't know the first four-player game uh, video game that I can remember, um,
0: period. Yeah. It's one of those things. I, and I mean, I, I might be like romanticizing it too much in my head, but it's when I think about like people, you know, in the seventies, uh, or maybe even earlier listening to like synthesizer, like Moog stuff, yeah. like one of my favorite records, uh, isao Tomita, Tomita's greatest hits, uh, you know, a pioneer of electronic music. And I like to think about, people and they're usually you know stoned out of their minds and they're hearing it for the first time like i can't imagine how incredible that must have been and similar to warlords i would think pictures a bunch of you know four people hanging out all of a sudden they have this four player simultaneous and it's still fun like it's i mean it's not like combat where it's kind of a novelty like warlords is still fun combat is the other one that is a contender to potentially creep in at some point yeah.
1: A uh, very special game. I played it before Warlords for sure as I think probably most of us uh, who had experience with Atari's did. Um but I've played Warlords more. Well, no, actually not quite as recently as Combat, but um but the last time I played it uh sometime in the early 2000s, um it was super fun. It was fantastic. It had not lost any of its luster. Mm-hmm. Uh with the paddle controls, it's still pretty smooth. And like you get four people um you know playing that game crowded around your television with those atari paddles and it like the the competition you and i have talked before about not being like super competitive but but certain games it just it 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 amps up and you step up to it yep um and that game is just super fun that competition that funkiness the like the ball's going really fast and you can like grab it and then sling it off in another direction and hope you're gonna catch somebody kind of unawares um it's just it's just a tight game. It's really well designed. It's dead simple. I think I've played. I have. There's a there's a um cabinet version of it, like an arcade cabinet version of it. And that's the most recent experience I've had of it. And that was actually disappointing because it was too fucking hard.
0: <laughs> uh just against the A the AI or no,
1: no, the controls. It's one of those things uh. like centipede, where I think the arc the cabinet it might have the the dial, um, like the original um. Arkanoid, um, mm-hmm. where it's got the like the little knobby circle thing. Um, but it might be a ball controller. Uh, I just remember it being too sensitive and like too hard to play compared to the Atari, which like even if you haven't played in a while, the last time I played it anyway, it's like, okay, after a few rounds you start to get warmed up and the person who's been whooping your ass isn't tired of it yet because, first of all, it's just kind of fundamentally pretty good good jam of a game you can you know run it for half an hour even just destroying somebody and not feel too terribly bored um but i think probably um more importantly as you as somebody gets warmed up to it as long as they've got some decent video game competence it, it happens pretty quickly you can you can on on ramp back up to to being decent at it pretty fast um and so you know it's just another factor so i i, I felt like this really fits in under the rubric of games that i could. Imagine picking up um, at any time Mm -hmm. and would still just absolutely be a blast. Uh, Whereas I feel like as we go along, I'll wind up having some games further down the list that don't meet that particular criteria as well. Right. uh, But hold a different value. But I really am uh, trying to to cleave to that. I think you might have been the first one to introduce that as one of the kind of metrics we're, we're playing around with. And in trying to cleave to that and looking at the wide variety of other stuff I have on the list, I was like, this one just comes up there pretty high. There are a lot of things that I could be like, oh, I would like to play that, um, but it's a big time commitment. And, you know, or like I would like to play that and I know it'll be good. But at the same time, it's really a degraded experience in terms of how the graphics would hit me now. Whereas this yeah. is a game where the graphics, being extremely crude and blocky, actually gels really nicely with the level of uh, of kind of control you have, and the um, in classic Atari style, the the cover art like indicates something that has absolutely nothing to do with this game. This game is like, you know, it's like a twitch <laughs> block breaking game. It is Arkanoid only for four players in corners, right? Mm-hmm. So without little pellets falling down and such. And
0: so what is it like, uh, like nobility, like looking at a a map or yeah, like,
1: no, like you've got like fortress walls, which like in theory, that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> but uh, if I recall correctly, it's like, you know, it kind of has that implication of like a battle and a siege yeah. and whatever. Um, and I, I just the... remember it definitely being like, oh, wow, this looks like it might be some deep strategy game or something. It's like no <laughs> and then the, the 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 puck is like a fireball right is that oh that sounds like it might be right so you've got that little high fantasy yeah component going on there because again these people were sitting listening to some very psychedelic music and <laughs> <laughs> exactly So uh, yeah, yeah that's a. Locking in my nine spot for now, dropping Carcassonne down for 10, where I think it'll sit for the moment. I think that whatever I drop in at 11 next week for the time being uh, will come down uh, in the 11 spot.
0: Nice. Well, for me, uh, nestling in at number eight, uh, pushing Metal Gear Solid and Super Mario World down a little bit, is Super Mario All-Stars on the Super Nintendo. Kind of only a matter of time before we got to this one. Yeah. and it's, it actually illustrates another sort of facet of, of this game ranks that I, I think might, might be interesting. But um, so it is a collection of uh, Mario Brothers, Mario 2, Mario 2 Lost Levels, um, uh, Mario 3. 3. And uh, it got a lot of play in, in my house because of something called Battle Game, which we yes. referenced once before. Uh, which we uh,
1: historically referred to as battle mode, right? And and always yeah. will uh,
0: yeah. battle mode technically is, is known yeah. as
1: the battle game. Yeah, in terms of the game menu.
0: Um, but yeah, started playing that. It's a, just a head-to-head uh, Mario versus Luigi in sort of the the classic like pipe level from original Mario Brothers before they got super. Um, yeah. And what can I say, man? I mean, you were there for for a lot of it, but like John and I played for years and years before, like when we were kids, and. Yep. There are all sorts of strange, tiny little glitches and, and exploits that you would never see unless you played it as intensively as we did.
1: So just as a point of clarification, are, are you essentially uh, ranking battle game battle mode as eight or is it or, or are you going, you know what, I'm going to grab the whole all stars and uh, package it up together because it is an extensive experience when you do that. It is multiple games in one.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess for starters, I'm, I don't think it would necessarily be valid to take one part of a game and say this is the game, yeah. uh, uh, which is just as well, because all the stuff that comes along with battle mode are only some of the best games ever made, right? Um,
1: right. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I kind of had to do the check there Yeah. to check in on that one. Uh, you know, it is not a surprise, I'm sure to you, that this is in my unranked list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a question mark next to it for this exact reason so i'm glad that we've settled this question so that at such point as i decide to to drop it in my rankings uh i know now what the what the rule is here because i can also see an argument for pairing it as uh with three and treating that as as a whole because it is in three on all stars right
0: yeah and i guess since we're sort of on on this subject i'll touch on the sort of meta of it as well which is absolutely like Mario three is going to be on my on my list, yeah. Uh, because the Mario three that I'm referencing in that is the Mario three that we rented from Woodman's and ah. played on our Nintendo and had to blow on a hundred times before it would work, and it was this mysterious, again, seemingly endless experience, um, separate separate from this collection here. And good, good, yes. Like, sort of the easy way out would be for me to say Mario All-Stars and then have it count as yeah. Super Mario Brothers, Mario 3, etc. and not have to put those on my list anymore, but that's not how I want to approach it. I, I want to actually think about why uh, I weigh this so heavily. And Absolutely. Uh, you're free to do things differently, but for me that's that's kind of the constraints cuz this is all about constraints. And to me the 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 more intellectually honest we can be with what we're trying to do, like the more things we can sort of tease out about why, like why is this thing so special? Yeah, definitely, um, I'm
1: totally with this, so.
0: So to me, yeah, primarily like I'm looking at battle mode, but I certainly played the remade versions of Mario Brothers, and it's interesting, when I was a kid uh, playing this for the first time, I I loved it and and I still do, and I preferred it actually over the Nintendo versions, but as I've gotten older, now I greatly prefer the old NES sprites and especially the music. They remade it and it's great, but if I'm gonna play Mario 3, I would much rather play the NES version of Mario I mean, 3. What
1: we, nobody was calling it a remaster at that point, but mm-hmm. it was essentially taking advantage um, of, of that. And I think especially with the music, yeah. the constraints of doing NES music versus SNES music, whole different world, right? Totally totally Uh, that's a a key point i like that
0: yeah um but i mean we played battle mode endlessly uh and again just me and john before there was any any other competitors and like rest yeah you know we realized that if you didn't make any inputs on the controller when the match started and you got hit by an enemy you would flash and shrink but if you as long as you didn't move you would stay invincible Mm -hmm. and once you started moving then you'd have a maybe two seconds before you became uh, Vincent, That's yes. the first okay. of the uh, you know exploits hacks emergent. Mm. No, that was quite late. That was that was quite late in in the game. That was well after like Wendy and I and, and you you know were on board oh, yes. with that. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, things like you could like, I was able to stun lock John from from below by hitting the block under him over and over and over until an okay. enemy came along and, and killed him. Uh, and then eventually you'd have both John and the enemy that you're hitting from below. And that was called tossing the salad. <laughs> and I mean, Stunlock, I'm guessing that
1: that particular name for it didn't emerge until uh, World of Warcraft. You are correct. Yes. yes. Oh God. Well, I mean, I uh, that term has been around before, before World of Warcraft. I maybe just wasn't introduced mm. to it until
0: specifically getting stun by rogues in WoW. But right. That's very much a different topic. But yeah, John and I played WoW, and I mean, we were somewhat young when we did, so um, that that one that one may very well be. Uh, but I'm but... sure you discovered
1: that technique prior to. Yes. Uh, to playing yes. WoW, yeah.
0: Um, and I mean, it used to just be this central thing, like when, <laughs> I remember we would meet new people as friends, and. We would try and get, oh come back to our house and play battle mode, you know, and it's yeah. like they they're going to get their ass kicked. It won't be fun for them. But I don't know. We just, you know, we were we were obsessed with it uh, yeah. to, a, to a degree. And you you were certainly part of it. Um, absolutely. The later adult iteration,
1: mm-hmm. um, you know, that has absolutely nothing to do with adult content. All you sickos <laughs> out there, get your minds out of the gutter. Yes, there is undoubtedly a subreddit for you, probably more than one. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you can find all of that stuff, but you won't find it here. Um, but as adults coming, coming to the game and my first experience with that game was the original super Mario, uh, no Mario brothers arcade, uh, mm-hmm. cabinet, and then ports of that to, uh, probably the Apple, mm-hmm. uh, cause there were ports of it to like everything right it was before Nintendo boxed everything up and, you know, things would appear in a limited capacity in arcades but otherwise it was only on their, on their consoles. And you could not get these games like any other way. Um, and so when I came to that game with, with, uh, with you, um, and Wendy, of course, at the time, um, I had familiarity with the structure of the game, but, oh my God, I had no idea what I was getting myself into.
0: Yeah. Just the idiosyncratic garbage that we dug up as like savants at this very tiny obscure slice of, of a game. Um, I mean the flies,
1: blue hell. Uh, oh my you know, god! Yeah, welcome to my like blue hell. It's little
0: objective to create the blue to create to create my blue hell. Wow. And I mean, there was a time when we certainly were among the best in the world at this game, which is a statement of immense hubris. But I, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine it any other way. It was.
1: I I think it's it's got to be a fair statement. There's no way to reasonably test that without uh, a time machine and the ability to like. Pokemon like go around the world and gather up people from that era who were playing that game. Um, and, and obviously we're, we're doing in this hypothetical carve out where it's not like somebody who could theoretically have gotten extraordinarily good at the game, but had spent enough time playing it right. to be on the level. It's got to be a vanishingly small number of people in general
0: yeah. who
1: didn't just play the game, but who really dug deep on it.
0: You know, I mean, we can't be
1: the only ones. There's but... no way. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast and like you have a story for us that like we don't know you already please right. please please
0: email or get on the discord um I'm looking at you I'm looking at you person from Germany you Yeah know, right might exactly. be another another savant on our hands here
1: or you know you're listening to past us and you're a future listener and uh you're you decided that you you dug it enough to dig back
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you know um yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, Great and evening. I I can't wait for you to visit so we can play. You know? I am
1: looking forward to it. It's been it's been too long, and it's just one thing that we absolutely can't do remotely.
0: It's just not happening, right? So, or I mean, we might fit, you know there was talk of a visit, uh, Alex and and you know a few others before COVID uh, derailed everything uh, for oh, two yeah. years. Um, so I mean, one way or another, it's, it's yeah. definitely going to happen.
1: Yeah, and at some point, I'm definitely going to have to get myself a nest. That's just you know hmm. inevitable uh it'll it'll have to be something that uh sits around and mostly collects dust except for for those rare moments
0: yeah or i'll, I'll just bring mine
1: either way yeah nah, <laughs> you know I, I don't disagree with that at all either yeah <laughs> no in the nearer term uh the probability is that if we're playing west coast you'll you'll have brought yours but but it's something that i feel like i would like to own eventually having the in the array uh to to be able to bust out for the occasional uh you know, Battle battle mode or, uh, you know, some excruciatingly difficult
0: cart, uh, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, good stuff, man. We will uh, move into our next segment here. Actually, which, before yes. we do, I, I hate to cut you off, no. um, but maybe that'll just be an edit. Um, we're at number 10. That's kind of a momentous thing. Yeah. Well, this is 11, actually. It goes to 11, which is the joke you made. Last time. No, no, yes, right. That's very true. Uh, but we now have a
1: top 10 games list. Oh, right. So I thought maybe it would be worth it just to
0: do the quick read through. Um, yeah. you know, we ain't got no guests waiting on us. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely on on board with that. Uh yeah, I thought like maybe every other episode, or maybe just on the host banger, what do we call it? Um <laughs> <laughs> double banger. Uh, uh Banger yeah, and mash. On the on the on the banger and mash apps. Uh uh, but yes, fantastic idea, Moses. Why don't you start us off?
1: All right, coming in. Uh I'll do reverse actually. I think it's more fun. Sure. Coming in at number 10, I have Carcassonne for iOS at number t- nine, warlords on the Atari. Number eight, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes. I didn't exactly specify a platform, but we can go with the uh PS4, PS3, it's kind of identical game. Uh, At number seven, Team Fortress 2, definitely the PC experience. Uh, Number six, SSX Tricky on the PS2 or on the, uh, uh, who's going to call it? (laughs) GameCube. (laughs) It is the GameCube in my case. Number five, We Love Katamari for me, definitely on the PS2. Mm. At number four, Portal, again on Windows. Number three on the original Nintendo Entertainment System, Nintendo Ice Hockey. The Tetris Effect on the PS4 in the two slot and dominating my list at number one, Dark Souls Remastered on the PlayStation 4.
0: Chef's kiss. Uh, For myself, coming in at number 10, Super Mario World, Metal Gear Solid, Super Mario All-Stars, Link's Awakening, Dark Souls, Super Mario Kart, Mario 64. Final Fantasy Nine, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and at number one, the most beloved, Chrono Trigger.
1: Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, actually your list compared to mine, it requires a little less specification of platform. Almost everything on my list requires
0: a, a degree
1: of, uh, yeah.
0: Yes, and it's your list, man. It can be Indeed. Indeed. whatever you wish. Um, great, well, let's uh, head on over to our next segment. Let's which do it. is a little segment i like to call what have you been playing moses lay it on me
1: so let's see here we've got a little extra time this week and uh so i've been i've been up in the regular jams i'll say you a little bit about uh about apex first um and then uh then i'll mention uh my my loop Hero activities so the new season Nine. It is season nine. The new season of Apex Legends season nine is is what we're rolling in now. Uh, It is called Legacy. And the big thing that has been introduced in season nine is a return to the roots of shooters, arguably more broadly. Uh, You know, there's a whole bunch of uh, given the Titanfall uh, world that Apex is set in, there's a whole lot of stuff in there, more lore than you can shake a stick at and far more than I actually am deeply familiar with although I keep learning more about it accidentally. Um, but really getting back to the roots of shooters, it has added an arenas mode instead of just the uh, you know battle royale uh, with cheese. And uh, <laughs> the arenas mode is just 3v3. Um, I'm still not exactly sure what, because I think you have to win by two maybe. Um, Most of the time I've either been with a squad that pretty much rolls like three to naught or three to one or vice versa. And I've gotten just rolled super, super fucking hard. That happens probably a little bit more uh, than the other way around. I was really hesitant to get up in arenas because there's nothing to hide behind. Right. Um, In a battle Royale, uh, the classic thing is third partying. Right. Right. You wait until things are winding down in a fight and then you jump up on the other squad before they get the chance to, or or individual, even depending on the type of, of battle royale game, uh, before they get the chance to to get their shit back together and get healed up and loot all of the good stuff, or they're just starting to loot. And so they have got their faces, you know, square down in the dirt of the death box. Um, none of that, right? Because it's 3v3. When you when you die, you're dead. You can um, you know, you can get rezzed if you go down. Um, but uh unlike normal apex, if you go down, they can grab your your tag. And they can find a, a spot to like call you back in, mm-hmm. uh, respawn beacon. Um, I was both right and wrong to be so hesitant about getting involved in arenas. Um, first of all, there's none of the nonsense of having to loot. Like, there's very limited looting mechanic where there's materials that you can grab that'll upgrade your ability to get different stuff in between rounds. Mm. Um, but. In round one, everyone has the same number of points to buy their gear. And you all start off with the same type of body shield and the same backpack and all that shit. Mm. Um, and so mostly you're focused on which gun you're going to invest in. Um, and then there's the two most basic guns, the uh, the Mozambique and the P2020, which are like pistol and the really basic shotgun. Um, they're freebies, so you can always have a second gun even if you kind of put more of your points into starting with something that's a little fancier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, choose to buy your other abilities. You know, there's tactical and ultimate hmm. abilities that as you get more, more spend each round, you can potentially invest in and in pick some of that stuff up. Um, so that's actually surprisingly, um, in depending on who I'm matched up against and uh, other various team-related factors, um, really quite leveling of the playing field because there's none of this you drop hot and all you have is a frag grenade and some stacks of ammo and somebody's got an awesome submachine gun that dropped next to you and you, or like you don't even have a frag grenade and you can't throw the stacks of ammo. So all you can throw are punches. Mm-hmm. And even though the punches are remarkably strong in apex and that's kind of by design, I think, um, you know, that's just uh, it's just crazy and it can be fun, but it's also a good way to die a lot and you don't always have control. In fact, you, there's nothing definitional that gives you control over where you're going to drop. Depends on who the, who, who's, uh, uh, you know, who's the uh, the leader uh, that's semi-arbitrarily determined. So I've actually found that I'm a little better at Apex than I thought I was. And that it's been a really good way to get better at the game. I have, like, slightly mm. upped my game as uh, as a result of playing arenas already. And that's been really, really enjoyable. So... Interesting. That's where I'm at with Apex.
0: I, well, I, I've been meaning to to jump in anyway. Uh, yeah. uh My motivation, I mean, it's mostly to just play with you and have fun. Uh yeah. So it, it doesn't always come to like top of mind of like, oh, I have some time with Moses. Let's do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: uh, Arenas sounds like a like a easier entry point. I mean, granted, I've I've played a fair amount of Apex, uh, although it's been over a year. Right. Uh, right. but that, that sounds more tempting than going you in, dropping out with
1: into, you. It goes a lot faster.
0: Yeah. And that is also kind of a nice
1: thing. And, um, yeah, certainly if you it up, I, Jay and I did the other day and we just got absolutely leveled and it was like, oh, fuck this. Let's play some battle Royale because under the circumstances, it was going to be a little bit more fun. Um, but, uh, and there is a matchmaking problem that happens when Jay and I play together because, it does its best to to make a <laughs> balanced match. And he is much, much, much better than me. And the game knows that statistically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so he can wind up with some, some pretty fucked situations in that regard. Um, my one other thing I'll mention about Apex though, is that I had a return of the bad audio issue uh when i was playing this morning when i got back to my my place at an ungodly early hour before oh yeah i also got a dental cleaning this morning um so before i went for my very early dental cleaning but not quite as early as i had to get uh, Anhelica to the airport uh i was like oh i've got like an hour of time to kill so i'm gonna i'll play a little apex it'll keep me up um and damned if there wasn't somebody on with their mic on and small children mm. talking loudly kind of chanting some nonsense and i'm mm. just like audio is so important in this game, being able to like hear those footsteps and whether they're coming from the left or the right, I was just dying. I was like, I kept at, trying to ask nicely, could you please mute your audio if that's good? It's just like deaf ears. So, I mean, aren't you able to mute them? I think so, but I still haven't figured that out. Okay. When you're like in between like this right. quick, you know, your, your match is about to, to start. <laughs> it's just like, I have no time to fix this. And then like the curse of it was, I was like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to like invite that person back. Obviously I'll just jump into another round matched with the same person. Again, they weren't a terrible player. The second round we actually won because the other player that we got matched with was good. And we stuck together as a squad, but Oh my God, completely oblivious to the fact that there were at least two small children. There's no way that the person behind the controller was one of these small children because the children were engaged in, some game of their own you know device Mm. it was um you know probably would have been delightful if i'd been in the right mood to be hanging out in the room with those children but not when i'm trying to play a competitive shooter (laughs) nadir
0: legends maybe that's what they were (laughs)
1: perhaps (laughs) it was it was a low point not the lowest but Yeah. yeah. yeah um so uh yeah then of course there's loop hero do you want to dive into that or do you want to talk about what you've been playing a little bit and then we uh no, I,
0: I think I think I'm, I'm happy to hear what you have to say about Stick the structure. We'll stick the structure in uh,
1: in this weird long form. So um, I'm on. Uh, is it chapter the chapters in the game, right? Yeah. I'm on chapter three. Yeah. And I think I technically was last time, but we didn't talk about it very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly had not made it to the chapter three boss yet. Fuck that guy. It's a it's a tough fuck that guy. It's a tough oh boss. My Fucking God. Fuck him. So the hunts dogs yeah, and his hounds. And I've gotten to him three or four times. And uh, the second, the third time, I, I think it was four times. And the third time I took him down, but his dogs kept popping, yep. And I'm like, you need to take both dogs
0: down at once, don't you? Mm,
1: no. Or something.
0: From my recollection, what happens is when you kill any of the three of them, the other two uh, heal up. And again, when you kill the one of two, then the last one also heals up. Um, I haven't, maybe That's, they patched that it. That sounds but, right. No, that sounds yeah. right.
1: That sounds right, because like, the dogs kept popping back up, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and then I took him down thinking like, okay, they're his dogs. So I really just need to take him down. <laughs> right. No. And I And then like, I think what happened was that I actually took down the, one of the two dogs and then the other dog like, pop back up to full health and finished me off. Yeah. And I was just like this is just it's brutal. It is, it is absolutely brutal. brutal. Uh I got there with the necromancer. Um most of uh, three of those four attempts, the the fourth one was uh was with the rogue and I think the necromancer kind of for me anyway is going to have to be the way to go on this fight probably. Um the crypt is essential and getting to that fight with the without having burned up your res- your, your resurrection. Yeah seems to be absolutely clutch i just again i can't imagine maybe just raw leveling up and that's certainly something Mm -hmm. um i'm in a funny point in the game where i am far more likely to push one loop too far and lose all of the cool shit that i bought and it's stone especially Mm. that you never have enough of to do the upgrades that you want to do like i want to upgrade more of these mud huts oh god that requires stone i want to add another watchtower that requires stone i want to Oh, I love those
0: watchtowers. I only have one of them in, in uh in play at the moment, uh, but they are quite enjoyable. And you put a you put a spider's nest next to the end of the loop where the watchtower is gonna get it. Oof. Because spiders, Ooh. spider nests are dangerous because by the time you get to four spiders, yeah, you are fucked. Like they will destroy you. You know, I might have
1: to swap out the ruins for the spider's nest because I've been playing with the ruins. And you foretold that I was going to be like, you're like, you're awfully cavalier about those snakes. Mm -hmm. God, I think that's probably because I was playing on chapter one the first time. Mm. And the abilities, their ability to burrow is the most obnoxious thing in the game. And I don't like, it's not like, oh, I hate this. I wish it didn't exist. It's just that type of challenge that is mostly pleasantly frustrating because you're like hoping you're hoping that you eliminate all of them or maybe like okay one of them might get away from you and sometimes all three or even I don't know if I've had all four wriggle out and come back but it's just like oh there are still three there and I've got something in the next square so they're just going to be spitting at me from one square
0: over so wait they burrow and then and then they persist after that battle yeah oh i don't recall that ever happening to me interesting you maybe were like screw these ancient ruins i don't like these i didn't use them
1: as much as you maybe are so i've been using them a lot i've used the ruins a lot because it spawns a random resource which seems like it's useful yeah um and then for the first time and i think you need to level up your uh number of skeleton cap yeah high enough to where i got a skeletal archer who showed up in a fight earlier today yeah and i was like oh cool a skeletal archer that's great because i was wondering i was like. What happens, you know, if I've got four skeletons and I wind up with enough capacity to somehow draw another one, uh, you know, via getting the right uh, the right hero skill or whatever, which is exactly what happened. And then I was like, oh, this is so cool. And obviously you can, you know, that could be powered up further and I could have a whole rank of skeletal archers. And my guess is by the time I get to the end of chapter four, if uh, that's the hero class that I'm using, I'll probably need a host of skeletal archers. I also love how. Uh, I added the watchtower Mm -hmm. and I was running the the necromancer. And then it completely fucked me because they're like, you and your army of undead. Do you think that we're thankful that you're like raising our dead relatives from the ground? We're just going to fire arrows at everybody who's in this combat. So if you're the other classes, they don't do this. But if you're the necromancer and there's a watchtower nearby, not a guard tower. Mm -hmm. uh, The one that you can actually is a tile that you can place oh which i used maybe i
0: used only once yeah and probably maybe not with a necromancer interesting so So, they give you some some custom dialogue for that and
1: they give you a custom battle effect where they rain arrows down on you in addition to the enemies they just
0: (laughs) fire arrows at everybody does that include your player character or just the skeletons really
1: absolutely you too because they
0: don't like that you're resurrecting their grandma Exactly to fight in your your
1: skeletal army. It's great, and it does actually get back to our conversation at the start of the pod about alignment and kind of you know the the character's perspective on themselves versus versus the NPCs. It's very natural fit with it. So yeah, hero keeps on giving. I also added the river. Um, Yeah, I don't know how many river tiles have to be down there before a siren appears, but oh god, the siren is brutal.
0: It may have more to do with uh, placement versus amount. Oh, if it gets close enough to the road. Yes.
1: That would make sense actually, because the one time that I've had it happen, uh, my river got quite close to the road.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the river is a really fun,
0: yeah, fun
1: little mechanic, um, and it really gets you thinking differently about the map that you're creating in terms of like, what do you want to put next to it to um, kind of keep it going? Uh, you know, how can you kind of wend it along so that you know? And you're hoping for more river tiles which has had me using the bookery again more so that I can try and kind of get lucky on some tile swaps. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, am I trying, mostly I'm trying to, to maximize on meadows so far with the river, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not the only thing that, that, that has been useful for. So, um, just all around good stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great, man. I, I, yeah, I love hearing your, your journey with that. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to touch on was the encyclopedia, which oh yeah you have absolutely mocked.
1: yeah and actually what, i have what not fun a, is
0: that i mean it's great i haven't checked it for um like the last few sessions so i know i have a few entries in it uh, well i mean you yeah when well, then you buy you buy additional entries with the pages you get and you get pages by having cards go off the screen if you have too many cards i did not realize that i, I guess fun. i mean
1: Minor yeah. spoiler, but I know it's all good because uh, yeah. I just recently was getting into a play style where I was having uh, cards going off the screen because for probably, you know, 10 or more loops, 10 or more runs, um, I was so trying to to maximize my card usage that mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot going uh, going unused there. Um, like, similarly, I'm also still not 100% clear on what triggers... The, uh the boss battle at the current stage
0: but um okay that one um that one is quite apparent in, in yeah there like, there is is
1: it, the loop, is it the number of loops that it takes that, that you get to because that's what i
0: thought it was with stage no there's one. there's a there's just a bar that fills up oh there is yeah oh, and the bar well, is, is always give the interface a kind of closer look and uh, yeah. give a peek it took that. me a while to know that that's what that because again, you know, a lot of the joy of the game is it doesn't. Uh, which is why, if you remember, this was you know a number of weeks ago, but I was watching you play uh, remotely, and I just, I really wanted to see the vamp, the vampire village, you know. Yeah. And I knew it, maybe it would be another week, or who know, you know, or the next day. But I, I sort of not so gracefully hinted you. Into just, I guess I'm like, just think about that tile more, and then you put it down, and you got like the infested village, and I was like, yes, now I get to see. All it's this. one of my
1: favorite things in the game, and it's yeah. definitely a high risk, high reward move to use that village, depending, depending to some extent on which on which hero you're playing. Yeah. Um, and also depending, like if you if you're lucky enough to get it loop one. Yeah. Then like you're pretty set probably for being able to get the conversion on it, and then it's right. like huge value. Um, the other thing I'm not clear on because I can't find a rollover that tells me exactly what's going on, but the vampire village causes the vampire to poof either himself or one of the, the other, uh, mobs. Yeah. There's no, there's no mouse over or info I've found on the screen yet that indicates that, but I just noticed it as a cool emergent property where if you're like in the adjacent to the village um and what a cool thing it's
0: like these are his lands he's not interested right. in this fight right you know yeah he's just gonna like does i never forget does he like take a uh, an enemy with him or he just disappears himself
1: uh either or is okay. what i seem to have discovered is that he will and it's not on the village when the village is uh right. is a spot actually it is once the village becomes um converted right, right? uh if there's say bandits in there which is a not of course uncommon occurrence right yeah um but yeah it's like you you roll up and there's a scarecrow and he'll just be like never mind this scarecrow you're fighting right.
0: me alternatively, well, he just disappears in that kind of nefarious cloud yeah and it, yeah to me i'm like maybe he's sort of aligned with me now and is like oh i don't need to fight you you gave me this the these people to eat you know That's the vibe. Well, it's kind of like you created stability and yeah, exactly. So I,
1: I'm not a a bloodthirsty maniac anymore. Mm -hmm. You, you've restored, restored stability to, to the way the world is supposed to be here. And so, yeah, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. So, you know, nice. Which is that, that great blend of the, in the game between the explicit narrative that it definitely serves you periodically. Yeah. um, And just the implicit, uh, you know, ludic driven gameplay narrative. So yeah.
0: Man, I, I hope I hope we get a little DLC or a sequel. I mean, th- there's got to be something coming for for Lupiro.
1: I would I would think so. I mean, like this game has, from what I've been able to tell, been a critical darling so far. Yeah. So I can't imagine that that team's just going to go like, yeah, that's all we're doing. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure that there might be some some more stuff that could roll out. Although, not knowing how Chapter Four looks yet. Uh, and how the game concludes Mm -hmm. um, or how new game plus uh, presumably or something to that effect uh, might might roll you know you know obviously more to speculate on that end than I do but I just feel like um, I don't think it's lightning in a bottle in terms of how this design team uh, kind of rolled this up even if it did if I understand correctly come out of a um, like a jam
0: okay that wouldn't surprise me yeah. Cuz it's Devolver. I mean they're they're all about the jams and Right. And the, right. the little guys. I mean, yeah.
1: So yeah, scrappy game, but I you know, I feel like we're we're bound to see something else cool come come from them. Um that I mean a sequel even that uh you know, has some novel mechanics and just takes the the whole thing in a different direction could be uh could be very sweet. Yeah. But hey, for me, I've still got a fair bit of game. It's it has gotten a little slower going. When we did that live play after after the pot a few a few weeks ago, you were like, I was like, yeah, a loop doesn't take very long, and you and you were like, yeah, yeah, it can, and that's <laughs> definitely where I am now. It's you know if I if I'm overly ambitious, I can die on like the third or fourth loop, but otherwise there can be a lot of pausing just trying to like get a little bit of strategic placement going on, and a single loop can easily run a half an hour.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: very rewarding though. Indeed
0: uh well have been speaking of bloodthirsty vampires a minute yes. ago um yeah, yeah i uh, we have sunk our teeth into resident evil village and uh-huh. way to go it, for it it does not disappoint uh for the most part um we've just had a blast it's kind of like you know joanna and i it's like okay let's let's get through the day let's do the stuff we need to do to where we can sit down and and play some village. Um yeah. Really enjoying That's it so pretty. far. Uh the controls are super tight uh, as Ooh, far nice. as a first person shooter on a console goes. Uh granted it's more slower paced. It's not like a twitchy kind of thing as much as like an Apex, let's say. But sure. There's I don't know, there's a there's a butteriness uh it, it just feels right in terms of the acceleration on on the aiming and then but the resident
1: who, evil the resident evils have generally been more in that vein right Like, yeah you can be a little bit more tactical about your play instead of having to be twitchy about it
0: absolutely absolutely and set and up
1: your, your encounter
0: yeah and this game is borrowing a lot from resident evil 4 in terms of uh what it's trying to evoke with with the experience it it kind of feels like um but uh the atmosphere is great, the sound design is great. You know, we're playing it like because our upstairs neighbors, we're all moving out. So there's no need to like, you know, and I err on the side because I'm very sensitive to like noises and stuff. So I always err on the side of caution, but we've been playing it loud. So like when a, a fucking lichen or a possessed doll jumps up in your face, like Ooh, it's awesome. like a voice. It's like yeah, it's it's there, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so That's very. Awesome. Very satisfying there. Um, it's it's interesting, like so much of this game has been Lady Dimitrescu, uh, the tall vampire lady. And yes. we finished her off in two sessions. I, I, I think the question I have, though, <laughs> is do you regret not being on a PC where you could use the Thomas the Tank engine mod? <laughs> No, I mean, that's more for that's more for a second playthrough, and I would actually go with uh, Randy Savage for my. Okay.
1: yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the moderns uh... got busy on this game real fast. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah. Rock paper shotgun and such uh, write ups going on. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting, and I'm kind of glad. Well, in a one hand, I think it was maybe Capcom didn't know that uh, this would be such a crazy influence uh, on the marketing of the game that now everyone's obsessed with this vampire on the one hand but on the other hand like there's all these other bosses and all this other stuff that is completely unspoiled because all they've shown is you're in a castle with vampires but what they don't tell you is after three hours you might be done with that castle and those vampires that's Uh, incredible but there's so much more
1: there it's it's almost like she was tanking for uh you know for the rest of the game for for player attention just drawing all of the player aggro to be focused on this one little piece of the narrative and there's this whole rest of the expanse of uh, i i presume scary it's
0: scary not as scary as resident evil 7. um it sort of is a more actiony affair it's almost the resident evil 4 of its of its day where it takes it in this sort of more action-heavy angle. But that being said, last night, there was this entire uh, uh, chapter in this spooky mansion where all of your guns are taken away and you are just navigating this place. And uh, I I jumped and I still jump and I'm sure I'm gonna jump more because there are some, oh my God. And I mean, obviously spoilers, there is this one segment where Uh, you're trying to, you come across this padlock. It's like a six digit lock and there's no way you're like, I don't know. I don't have any ideas. And then there's this window and it says, look out the window. And you're like, that's a bad fucking idea. Cause something's going to be there and it's going to be scary. So of course I look out the window and then I see in the distance, there's like in the far distance. And then in the middle distance, there are some numbers written down on parts of the environment. And I'm like, uh, oh, interesting. Okay, so 06, 08. And then a thing pops up in the window and yes. scares the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> I was like, I knew it was going to happen, but they waited like four seconds longer because they knew you were going to be looking at the numbers. Just do it. And they clearly, they,
1: they tested that to make sure that like, hey, it's going to take a little longer to capture all these numbers yep. for anyone who's not like a crazy, you know, photographic memory autodidact, like... Uh, Yes. Yeah, so it's so like cool. you're
0: you're letting your guard down because like, oh, nothing jumped out. Oh, numbers. Okay, these numbers. And ah, it's like, oh my God. It was it. so effective. And uh you know, it's it's what you sign up for. It's 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 like watching a horror movie. You know, you you sure. want those sorts of sorts of things. Um
1: well, it's like I bloodborne know... for that matter, unlike uh, you know, your your regular uh souls like you're playing Bloodborne. You you have signed up for there to be some horror in the mix and some things that
0: are legit gonna make you jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really great. The the pacing is great. Um you always know what goal you're working towards. You're never kind of like flailing like narratively. It's like, oh, I know I need to do this and this, and now the next part. And there's these four things that I know that I need to do. Um And oh, shit, I only have four bullets left. And I just like it always feels like you're scraping by by the skin of your teeth. And then it's like, oh, now I've got 30 bullets again. I'll never run out. But no, the next thing, it's going to drain most of your bullets. And, you know, you're upgrading weapons and making those sorts of choices like this weapon's stronger, but I'm going to sell it and start investing in this weapon, which will eventually be stronger, like those sorts of things. I also love that distinctly Resident Evil, I know it's not the only
1: game, uh, but the survival uh perspective on bullets 30 bullets, I have a world of bullets. <laughs> right. right. Whereas like most shooters, 30 bullets, well, okay, I'll
0: be okay for a minute. That's like 1.2 clips worth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh the the pacing that in the the sort of the difficulty and the economy as well, which is kind of the um the last thing i'll touch on here is uh you can buy health potions right and there are a thousand i think it's called lay um and which i guess is a a romani uh where's this place set anyway um and so at the beginning of the game a thousand lay is a lot it would be most of your money if you saved up um by the midpoint of the game like i've got like twenty six thousand now so it's 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 easy to afford but if you buy one the next one costs double and ah. double from there and so what that means is you're never probably too broke to buy a health potion to give yourself a, a good footing to go on but beyond that it's prohibitive so, so it's similarly it balanced, you...
1: like the ammunition part like yeah. it makes sure that that whatever you can afford is never going to be
0: like enough to easy mode Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's really good design right there. Totally, totally. And yeah, I see Resident Evil 7 as more horror and this is more sort of action. And the narrative also expresses that. The narrative is batshit insane. There is this kind of miracle healing potion that they actually sort of satisfy in a narrative sense why it does what it does. But what it means is that your protagonist, you see his hands, right? Because it's a first person game the trauma and destruction that they visit upon this character's hands is ah, unmatched. That's amazing. And it's really smart because, no, this is what you get to see of who you are. You don't, well, sure, his legs are there and whatnot, but like your hands are what, that's your entry into this world. So let's put two fish hooks in them and string you up. And like, oh, oh. and it just goes, it just goes from there. but yeah, before you before you even really start the game, you get three of your fingers straight up bitten off. Uh, and then you're just walking around with like a, a bandage on it for the rest of the game. You know, it's
1: holy smokes. Yeah. That's crazy. That is just bonkers.
0: That, it, <laughs> it makes is. me
1: think about like, you know, like Doom seemed like it was like a brilliant move at the time in terms of like, hey, you get to see how bloodied your your character is, right? right? right. You get some this is so far beyond that but like from that same point of departure of like how can we convey this important information to the player apart from just a health bar yeah so um but in this case clearly with much bigger narrative
0: hooks (laughs) right so yeah we uh seemingly we have one boss left it feels like we're approaching the end because i mean we can't help but play it, you know, three ish hours a night, uh, right? If, if the situation allows. So, and it's like a 12 hour thing, uh, all told. So, um, but then there's this mercenaries mode where you just get to go around and try and get high scores by killing people effect- efficiently. So, uh, there will be that to look forward to and the inevitable DLC and, and all that. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. In this case, that's
1: something you can rely on. So, yeah.
0: It's so I'm not quite sure if it's reaching the heights of of RE7, but that's okay. It's pretty damn close, and uh, and yeah, we're having a hell of a time with it.
1: It seems like it's reaching different heights anyway, so that's yeah. kind of satisfying. And um, and
0: I would argue actually a really good move when you've had a uh,
1: you know when you're making a serial and uh, and the previous one was uh, just a huge success. It's not a bad call to change it up and uh, do something that is uh, not as much
0: of a direct comparison. Change it up and also maybe cast a wider net, which, um, oh, yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily going to mention this, but uh, it, it seems germane. Uh, the they changed a bit of how health works. So in RE7, uh, you take some hits, you get down to critical health, and then the next hit you take will probably kill you. Um, in this, uh, you get down to critical health and the screen goes red, which is pretty annoying actually, but. If you can limp away and survive for a while, it'll get you back up to yellow, okay, where you can live to fight another day.
1: Well, and that gels with uh, as far as more seasoned, you know, player gamer ex- experiences with a, with with the more action-y genre too. So yeah, and it just makes it more
0: a... forgiving for maybe newer players or absolutely because uh, you don't want to be in stuck in a corner where it's like. Although okay, another tangent here, but like one of my fondest Half Life memories. Is when I was, I had quick saved. I was it was my only save. I had like four hit points, and I had to get through this gauntlet, which was total bullshit of like vortigants shooting electricity at me and stuff. And eventually, I did, and it was really original hard. But yeah, two. yeah, the original Half Life. Um, so I think unless you are totally stuck and fucked, it can be kind of fun to be backed into a corner and be like, I just, I got to figure out how to do this perfectly.
1: I do agree with that. There was a Half-Life 2 moment that was similar uh, on that end for me, where, where my save was like, it must have been low ammo, um, generally low resourced, but I knew it was possible for me to get through it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it took a lot of attempts, though. And I mean, and that actually definitely had its own its own fun and its
0: own like cool play experience to it, for sure. So, yeah, you know, mixed bag. Yeah. Um well great. Well, speaking of mixed bags, I'm certain this will not be a mixed bag because Moses is about to tell me what he loves about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I love about the design of video games in the world of intellectual property in games um is that unlike most other spaces, uh, you know. Game devs are very, very uptight. Of, I haven't done this already, have I? I don't think I have. I don't think so.
0: It's only been I hope, 10, but no. It's all, I don't I, it's all, it's
1: all <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been that many episodes. Um, game devs will, of course, be uptight about, uh, like, the copyrightable type sure. stuff, characters and control of, like, Nintendo is a great example. You don't go running around using Nintendo intellectual property uh, except by way of parody and getting away with it, you know, mm-hmm. except by way of all of the, the usual excuses for fair use, um, but when it comes to mechanics, when it comes to the fundamentals of game design uh, in other technology spaces, there is a default, at least um, that probably started in the West and is uh, spread a little bit more broadly towards, I'll just call it dickishness. Mm. It's, this is mine. You must pay me to use it or nobody gets to pay me to use it. I will control this as entirely as possible. Um, except to the point of it being kind of a prosecutable uh, monopoly situation which is rare and even rarer these days um and uh games have mostly avoided that there are very rare instances where somebody's going to make an intellectual property case um and and take it to town
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh and the you know the the kind of trade-off with this is yeah I, for devs it can be hard because you can get clones up in there that can usurp your um, you know, your presence. Right, and right. Uh, and especially in like the mobile games, market, you eat up almost all of the money that you were going to make on your on your game and as a small studio, that can be crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the design of games more broadly, that means that there's a ton of borrowing and building that people have done over the years. And um, an example I was thinking of actually is like the D-pad. right. You know, uh, as far as I can think of, the first place the D-pad appears is on Nintendo products on the Game & Watch products. Right. Uh, Like, it it predates the NES. Mm -hmm. Because the Game & Watch products, I'm pretty sure, if they didn't have the D-pad, they might have had four squishy buttons set up as a D-pad instead. But I feel like maybe the original Donkey Kong, like, fold-out Game & Watch game might have had a D-pad on it. I Um, I think so. I think so. Even if it didn't, though, it goes back to the NES. And I can't think of a single controller that does not, you know, have one uh, for like most of the controllers that roll out uh, subsequently. And it just has broad utility, right? Um, And much as I wish that uh, Microsoft and Sony would standardize their color scheme uh, (laughs) for for their circle buttons, um, circular buttons, whatever, uh, that's a a minor annoyance. Um, But the fact that like, even at a level of hardware, like, if they did go after anybody about the D-pad, it, it, it didn't register for me. Um, And and that's just, like, one small hardware-based example. But, like, even if you think about um, Sonic, mm-hmm. it would have theoretically been possible, I think, for Nintendo to try and stake out at that special juncture in game development history and be like, hey, you guys are making Mario, not cool. Mm. Uh, and maybe they thought about it and realized that they'd built on um, you know, the shoulders of some giants themselves. And, um, I'm trying to remember the load runner is uh, just one random example of a platformer that existed before Mario. Mm -hmm. Um, God load runner. I haven't thought about that one either for a long time. Uh, but, um, but whether, whether it was something that was abandoned early on, just due to like this, not being seen as feasible, it's had a long legacy in game design that has allowed just lots of borrowing, Um, and the ability for things to kind of be mashed up and games to emerge and uh, it's something definitely to love about games that I think differs radically from technology more broadly Mm -hmm. Um, where uh, you know I'm not thinking about IP in relation to like books or film or stuff like that but but very specifically in relation to tech where like phone manufacturers are like oh no Apple's like no that's our unlock method you can't use that unlock method and it's like that is some fucking bullshit you can't you can't exert like intellectual property control over a four digit code or something like that. right? <laughs> or the slide up, I think was one that had like a, there was a huge legal settlement that happened over between, I think Samsung. Mm-hmm. I may, might've even been a multi-party one. Um, it's so endemic to technology and video games seem to have avoided that towards our, our collective, just huge benefit.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Interesting that you would use the Nintendo D-pad as an example, Um, and this is just going off memory, but I was under the impression that this was an example of the opposite of that, where Nintendo has locked down the D-pad for decades to where it explains why D-pads are so shitty on other controllers, such as the Xbox controller. Uh, And only recently has this copyright or patent or whatever expired. To where now? Uh... No, that's actually a
1: good point. So no, you're right. The Nintendo D pad is a special thing, and I mm-hmm. hadn't really been thinking about that. um But they didn't or couldn't go so far as to lock in, you know, the the four direction kind of arrow control right. on the on the left side of a of a controller. Um, and that way it may well be it couldn't, but actually, I could see why. On a tech development level. And I mean, again, Nintendo of all of them has probably been one of the most conspicuously legalistic over the years for sure. With regard to its stuff. Um the Nintendo NES controller is remarkably good for its time. But even now, if you if you play an NES, it still is um I especially if you're comparing it to say an Atari joystick, which is exactly what everyone was comparing it to then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, this thing is kind of tiny but, um, it's very, very responsive and that's no accident. And yeah, and there is very clearly, very specific, specific technology. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> so you're right. And good calling me out on that one. Oh, sure. Um, Cause it's, um, uh, it, it is at least, um, uh, you know, a, a reality check, um, and also a, a way to kind of draw the lines a little bit more finely about the, the space in which, uh, you know, games, uh, are, are a little bit more open. I mean, I think probably if you look at VR development, it's another good example of the of this opposite end of the spectrum where you yeah. have platforms instead of a common drive to say, like, hey, let's get a super common set of uh you know of APIs and a VR tech in place. It's I think maybe it's moving in that direction. But it certainly started out as let's see who can dominate the market to be the one true VR platform. Right. Um and uh, you know, um I guess it's less surprising that that happens with hardware.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think your broader point uh, definitely stands and is borne out uh, in terms of it's just shoulders of giants all the way down. I mean y- you look at the uh the f- the soup of the day, you know, like lately, oh, I guess lately it's been rogue lights, but before that it was souls likes. Um, yeah. And the ripple effects and the inspirations and the straight up not plagiarism, but like I, I'm gonna heavily borrow these concepts and I love it because if, yeah. it's, if it's good, then I want to see what your imagination puts on it. The, the spin, well, and, you know, you know? Or,
1: or similarly, it's been battle royales before that, it was um, Kuzuma calls it Dota likes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are concurrent, concurrent trends in different types of games. But the same thing, the same thing absolutely happens. It's like, hey, this is what's going on or MMOs mm-hmm. um, from the point of like, WoW couldn't have existed without EverQuest. Right. Um, and then, you know, it spawned this huge array of MMOs, many of which were great playing experiences, even if they were all broadly cookie cutter, but there's that action bar and you know what to do with it. And so if you're in that space playing that type of game, you don't have to relearn everything from scratch. You get to then invest your time and play experience into well, what else are they doing with it? How are they mm-hmm. making this more interesting? Why should this particular game hold my attention? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I like it. Any other thoughts to, to round out your... Nothing your else, really. I think
1: that uh you, you've you helped me round it out pretty well with that little uh one caveat there that especially when it does come to technology, you know, uh, corporations will be corporations um, and profit drives them in, entirely. And that's just kind of the the nature of the beast and so i guess it's not too surprising that the space where there is the most looseness is both the hardest to lock down in terms of intellectual property and the area that is the hardest for a corporation to control which mm. is their creatives right. who are not as deep down in the engineering corner of the rabbit hole as uh hardware designers are because there's certainly creativity that goes into hardware design i don't mean to take away from that um but you get into uh you know not software engineering you know, the linkage between software and hardware engineering, uh, it's definitely very clearly a different space. So yeah.
0: Yeah. What I love about Death Stranding is how it so accurately and seemingly completely replicates the cognitive process of navigating uh, and plotting your navigation across any given topographical situation. Um, so, you know, the feeling when you're out on a hike and you are literally planning your steps, uh, it's all subconscious, but your Mm -hmm. brain is at work with this puzzle of like, oh, there's this big rock here. And this little path here, I could either hop up on the rock as like a giant step, or I could take the little path around it. And like, that is a subtly satisfying element, I think of, of going on a hike. Uh, absolutely. And death stranding for me stimulated that exact same part of my brain, in that I am picking and choosing my way through this diverse terrain. Uh, and it was equally well, not equally. I mean, there's nothing better than being out in, in the real sun, you know, on a hike and, and, and things like that. But um, in terms of the subconscious firing of those sort of neurons or whatever, the, those neural pathways that, that tell you where you're going to be putting your feet, you know, on, on a, a somewhat simpler level, Death Stranding is replicating that. And it, it's an interesting game because, like, it got very well uh, reviewed critically, but there were still a lot of critics who straight up hated it. And oh God, some, of, yeah. some of my favorite personalities, uh, Jeff Gerstman being chief among them, hated Death Stranding. And it was kind of the first time that I I I had the inkling in me to like, I want to tell Jeff that he's wrong, right? But of course he isn't. Like it's his experience. But I've never really had that before where I'm like, no, this you are walking and it feels like you're walking and you're you're picking your path. And um, and that's just one part of it. That's just one facet of of the death training experience. Um but yeah, it gives me that that same sort of satisfaction. And then you layer on like you can do a, let out like a ping, which spreads out and puts, you know, thousands of of dots around that sort of 3D model the terrain. And like, Uh, some of them are yellow. And that means that this is a, you know, a caution here. Or if you see red above a body of water, you'll know that it's deep enough to where you'll get like pulled away. So yeah, the, you know, it spreads out this, this array of dots uh that sort of l- uh, helps you interpret the space like yellow is caution like if you go at full speed here you might stumble and if oh, you right. stumble and you don't manage your weight properly you might fall and if you fall all your shit's going to spill down the hill you know
1: and i didn't play that game uh nearly as much as you did i scra- scraped the surface of it and it was yeah. deeply enjoyable uh but if i recall correctly that's actually uh early game in yeah. terms of uh in terms of that aspect of it um and so, not to get too deep into other parts, because I have a feeling you'll be coming back to Death Stranding later. You're essentially talking about Death Stranding as a hiking simulator.
0: It it is. It is, and
1: and it has been arguably called other things like the last Amazon delivery man. I can't remember <laughs> where I saw that. Maybe on Twitter or something. But um, but it it did strike me, even with my relatively short engagement with it, uh, in in that regard.
0: Yeah, they really they really nailed that, and. And I'm gl- they should have, right? Because it's sort of the central thesis of the game is you are on foot uh, making these deliveries. And sure, eventually you are making roads and you're driving a big van if you want to. But uh, the core of the game is this simple on foot kind of navigation. and it, yeah, it it just feels it feels satisfying in that way. And then, I mean the rest of the game on top of it is wonderful, except the story, which wasn't great. Uh, but uh if when the gameplay is there and you can skip through the story, uh it's it's okay.
1: I mean, the story was of course weird, but that again can be something for for another time. As I said, I have a feeling given the raw number of hours that you that you sank into Death Stranding to the point where it did, as I believe we've mentioned previously, take a bit of a toll on your hands. <laughs> um, that yeah. you might be revisiting this game again in a in a future episode, but that is so cool. Um, and it was certainly the thing that caught me about the game. I just was playing dark souls at the time Mm -hmm. no three Mm -hmm. i was back to to trying to grind on three and in terms of balancing how much time i was spending on what um death stranding definitely wound up suffering for it and i wound up kind of letting it slide but i and and it it is a game where the control scheme is like okay this is totally different and i need to map my mind way differently for this game basically like basically anything else that i've played with with the playstation controller. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, I just want to like kind of reinforce that even with my short engagement, that was what struck me about it and it and it is really enjoyable and it is like the um engagement with the terrain much mm-hmm. like one really truly like does physically. Yeah. Um is like the highlight of, of my experience with that game on a limited basis. I'm glad to hear that that was like the big part of what what kept you rolling with it. Um yeah. to some degree there's the uh, you know, um reward loop the you know little little uh chemical brain releases uh ha- the, the happy drugs our brains make whenever whenever we satisfy a good compulsion loop in a game but um but yeah, it's, yeah sometimes it's the journey
0: yeah and yeah the other elements hold up like uh, i'm thinking of the bolo gun where you just shoot this string with two balls on the ends of it and it ties up your your enemy because in this world, if you kill someone and don't properly dispose of their body, after a few days they explode, like a big that's <laughs> explosion. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so the bolo, like far... the non-lethal uh, tactics it's... are are key.
1: Far, far worse than the blades in the dark, duskfall uh, ghost right. issue, um, but not not entirely uh, different. Interesting, because they came out in a somewhat similar time frame of development when mm. blades came out. I Wonder if people are just thinking about dead people a lot in a specific context.
0: Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll we'll definitely be circling back around to this game. I mean, I would say it's easily in my top thirty, if not lower. So, because yeah. uh, there's more to say, like the the way the terrain deforms based on all the other people playing it and the paths that they have taken, where they will literally be wearing down this boulder field into these navigable paths based on the desire paths of the other players and the game doesn't tell you this the game just lets you find out about it like uh
1: really really wild because it is again it's like a real authentic engagement totally but in really high speed compared to how we usually experience it right
0: totally yeah what a what a gem uh hideo kojima god god bless him
1: Fantastic.
0: <laughs> uh, well, great. Let's uh, move things along here into the Fighting Game Minute.
1: All right. We, in fact, got our uh, our Fighting Game Minute uh, in earlier today. Yeah. Uh, pre, pre-pod, pre um, I had uh, taken a much needed but accidental nap, mm-hmm. um, or semi-accidental. I actually meant to set an alarm. I meant for it to be like 20 minutes, so it was more like an hour. Um, so I started out a little bit rough, a little, little little rough around the edges as I was sipping that coffee to, to get myself going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought we had a you know, pretty good, pretty good matchup today. And uh much as I keep mentioning this thing about uh, wanting to wade into to different waters with some rando opponents, uh not necessary for today to be thoroughly satisfying.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um I guess for me, not a ton of new uh sensations or experiences related to to that it kind of felt like a continuation of last week where uh we have a bit more patience uh yeah. in the fight um and i i did start getting a little tired of zetta my main yeah um so you jumped over to gran jumped over to gran and yeah a lot of the skills like i'm now fluent enough i guess in the the, the language of this game to where I can jump into other characters with you know varying degrees of success. Some are going
1: to be easier than others. Uh yeah. that was my experience, you know, when I had some basic skills with Gran and I was playing around with Fairy, who I still intend to come back to. Um, and she was really challenging because her base moves are so completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Zeta clearly is not that different, even though her pole arm is is very different from the sword of uh, you know, of of Gran or, or Catalina. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you jumped over, uh, you know, you were you're were walloping me pretty soundly, in part, uh, especially at first, due to uh you know my my creakiness. Um, but you kind of took that opportunity to to say, like, yeah, let, let me jump on ground, let's see what happens instead. Uh, and I definitely would say um I saw that uh that transfer mm-hmm. going on there. And the other thing that I wanted to say in relation to like um, you know, you're saying not too much to say. I feel like where we're both at gameplay-wise, there may be another big horizon moment of like, whoa, this is a huge like progression moment, but it's little things now. There Mm -hmm. are constant little moments of like, we get the basic thing. The game is becoming significantly more psychological. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of a steady, very incremental climb, but it does not feel like a plateau for me at least. Um, It's like seeing each of us make slightly different choices in any given round Mm -hmm. um and seeing how the other person responds to it and like are you are you picking up what i'm trying to do here um or are you like okay I, i i see you you know falling back a little bit and do i take this opportunity to try and press it or are you anticipating that like and that definitely was something i noticed and went two totally different ways in two consecutive rounds where um there was one round where i was like okay I think that maybe like you're, you're creating an opening for me and I went at you and you, you, it was a great setup and I fell into your trap and you annihilated me. The following round, I decided, um, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm going to fall for the same thing twice, but I'm going to push it again here. That wasn't what you were doing. And mm-hmm. I annihilated you. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, uh, a lot of really close rounds. Um, some some good matchups, especially with the uh the Catalina V Grand matches that we had today. So um I don't know. Uh pretty thoroughly satisfying. I uh may in the next week try and dip into the training mode and play around with another character or two. Yeah, um, I think we should. And well, um yeah, another character or,
0: or or not. But uh yeah, us both dipping back into that, just refreshing ourselves with the insanity of the you know. The, the length and breadth of combos and techniques that are possible still yeah. outside of my reach, but, uh, but they're there.
1: Oh man. Yeah. I mean, well, like in last week, neither of us was able to execute a skybound arc. <laughs> or, <damn. laughs> right. Um, and this week that was a little bit more fluid for, I think both of us. Um, although still, still a challenge to just do that basic, you know, uh, lower, uh, lower arc, Mm -hmm. lower upward arc i don't know why it's so damn hard but this might be connected to why it is that uh fighting games have never been natural for me i think that probably for somebody who's a fighting game player that's just really built in this is how you do it on a d-pad it feels comfortable yeah and um that uh maybe with enough hours that gets there and that becomes part of next level play too because once you can do that i think a lot of the moves without using right uh uh depend on those those classic arcs in combination like forward forward arc type stuff right. etc you know that all that kind of stuff i've certainly done it accidentally on a number of occasions so
0: but yeah you you were definitely keeping me on on my toes with catalina like uh you seemed more aggressive and you were just sending more shit my way that was keeping me on my toes and yeah. uh,
1: and catalina yeah. and grant are a good matchup um yeah. because they're so similar but there are some slight differences. Mm-hmm. um and uh they're i think they're both for obvious reasons as the the beginner characters designed to be very balanced between uh offensive and defensive style uh perhaps more so than some of the other uh other options
0: yeah All still right. digging on on the grand blue uh and with that we will move into our next segment which is paul with your baseball update
1: all right, Paul. Blazeball back.
0: Yes, Blazeball right. is back with a new reason, and it's an interesting time. I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted in, in a way, with the motivations as a fan, because the more your team succeeds, the more dense they become, okay. and the denser your team the more they get submerged into the immateria that everything is floating on in this world, uh, which then opens them up to consumer attacks, which are these sharks. Uh, um, And it's kind of a weird thing because who cares about winning a championship? It doesn't do anything for you. All it does is mean that your team is playing baseball for longer and at a denser existence, And being more apt to get chomped on. And so it's at this point, my stance is like, unless the magic are good enough to win everything, then we should not be in the postseason. We shouldn't try to optimize our blessings. We should be trying to protect our players and trying to like grow our team to that when the time comes, we can actually make a run at it. But you're trying to wrangle an entire community, many of which don't look at the Discord ever, and nor should they. It's right. fine, you know, but they're never going to know uh, about all these extra nuances. And so, it's it's almost like a dark middle chapter where do I really want? It, is it good if we win a game? You know, uh, because now uh, Yellowstone has. It's some well we're somehow at the top of our division again which is which is great uh ostensibly but now we have that little flashing red dot which means that we are being observed by consumers uh oh okay i don't know if i told you, it's a great pun it's so good so it's like almost like a credit rating that the team has it goes okay. from like you know c to you know up until a right and The defining line there is if you are below sea level, you start (laughs) getting chomped on by these (laughs) sharks. It's like so great. Uh, So now magic is once again below sea level. But uh, we finally got the option to clean up our ballpark with a ballpark renovation. Um, Anytime you hit a foul ball, it adds to the filthiness of your park (laughs) because it's foul, of course. Um, And all the other teams have gotten chances to clean up their ballpark. We never have. Finally, this week we do. Uh, Renovations go into effect on Thursday. So my thought is, as long as we make it till Thursday, there's a chance that when we clean up our park, that we will no longer be below sea level and Ah. uh, no longer be at risk from consumers. So uh, that is. Yeah, something I've been I've been mulling about. Um and then there is this tarot reading that happens early in each season.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And the tarot almost seems to be at odds with the coin who is the the boss of of baseball. And the tarot reader or the reader as they're called uh said that winning is losing. Ooh. And that kind of fits into my current thoughts about risking your players livelihood to make this playoff run that may or may not happen and the worse you do the more you party and the stronger your players get like so uh, the reader will almost eventually
1: sees... lead to winning
0: right right um and winning is fun and good too if you win three times you get a permanent plus one stat boost all of your stats uh, as you evolve if you evolve three times you make your way across the phylogenic bases and eventually go home what is home is that does that mean that this player gets to be freed from the eternal torment of having to play baseball. baseball? you know um so
1: but then at the same time you've got your evolve
0: you know fully evolved player and you lose them if that's the case right right and so there's this whole strategy going now in the discord of tanking magic so that we don't do as well for a while until we can maybe do well enough to, to win everything. To really go all the way. That's Cause otherwise if you just get chomped a bunch and then you still lose, like what's the point, you know? Right,
1: right, man. So there are ways in which, as we've talked about previously, baseball definitely is like a regular sports fandom. Mm-hmm. And then you have something like this in which um, outside of, um, you know, illegally rigging a game, like a boxing match this is nothing like a regular sports fandom um there is such a as the kids say meta um to it i mean on some level baseball is all meta right um but this is if you table that notion this is actually meta in terms of uh how we usually use the term in talking about game strategy of uh trying to to deconstruct um all possible strategies to find the the truly most optimized route, even if it means breaking with the way the game seems to be structured in some respects, right? Um, that's just not something you can do in, you know, athletic sports. Uh, they're designed to prevent that
0: as much as possible. And, and yeah, and there would never be an official mouthpiece saying winning is losing that too either I mean, winning is everything always you know um, but i
1: mean obviously certainly in the context of football we can relate to a high risk to players getting injured right um and even just at the level uh, most importantly not of a sport uh but of the fact that these are real live human beings that like nothing should be worth that the risk that some players incur in right. some sports as far as the physical harm that can, that can befall them. Um, they can't be atomized or, you know, redacted. Um, but good Lord, they can have brain damage or they can mm. have career ending injuries that also permanently degrade their quality of life physically, um, yeah. that don't involve the cerebrum. Oddly enough for me, this gives me just a, a moment of step back and reflection on athletic sports.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, winning can be losing. I, it takes us, almost a certain amount of luck uh in in most sports i mean the context of a sport like football until some of the recent rule changes um winning was inherently losing uh as far as the raw trauma that was you know getting inflicted on on every player when head contact was legal yeah uh but even in uh in basketball or or baseball uh the the degree to which players push themselves and the damage that they do to their bodies along the way—it's—it's
0: uh, it's hard. It's a hard thing to think about. It is, and uh, yeah, and the things that are hard to think about are often the things that that should be thought about. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's worth thinking about. I agree. I'm, you know, what a, you know, at best, I actually think that games in general uh, help us surface some of these kinds of moments, um, and the video games are actually particularly good at it
0: absolutely uh it's sort of like the sci-fi genre it can it can abstract these concepts of like marginalized groups and the suffering and how they deserve better right but if you say it's a gay person it's gonna make some people not interested but if you say it's an alien race right then it's an even playing field and everyone can be you know invested in that in that story i guess and maybe learn something hopefully
1: I mean, uh, I would like to think that the if the X Men have done anything, yeah, uh, that they have helped more people come to uh, to reflect on on some of those understandings. So
0: definitely. Um, well, rounding up the baseball update, we also got the library, which uh, will reveal the reveal reveal the ancient histories of baseball. And I thought I would just tell you um, only a t- <laughs> a maybe frustratingly tiny amount has actually been unredacted uh, at this point Uh, it is short (laughs) enough to where i will just read you what it is because i think it's it's entertaining so uh uh this is after root but it is uh uh before the current era this is prehistory uh this is the first day first edition uh sun one was forged by namurifet okay after that five bases were placed okay uh next up uh uh locrates aka loot crates uh of course says accretion coming up next the alaskan immortals joined ultra league baseball so that That's is a right. league and a team that i've never heard of right uh, baseball or does it say baseball it says oh god no it says baseball <laughs> okay because i was like this has suddenly gotten very weirdly meta <laughs> right but there's a a baseball going on here and it's then great. a whole bunch of entries are skipped and then it says an umpire appeared rejoice play ball okay and that's that's like all it. that we have so far yeah is sun one
1: also like a play on sun two uh i don't think so
0: um Unless well, is Sun now. Two is because that's my
1: that's my head There's there's a Sun Two uh, in, in, inherently giving rise to to the wordplay of Sun One.
0: Well, the only reason that it says Sun One is because there is a Sun Two al- already. Okay, uh, which function which functions oppositely uh, the way a black hole does. If you score ten runs, those runs are absorbed and you get an extra win on your record. Okay, uh, a- as a team. Got
1: it. Um, I mean, I don't, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually,
0: that segues me into my my final uh, thrust here with the baseball update, which is you, Moses. And so, OK, let me gather my thoughts with this. But um, I completely understand why you would be hesitant to engage with baseball because you would get enough of it to where it would be frustrating that you didn't get more of it you would you would certainly understand enough to be able to place bets and understand why you were placing these bets and make money and whatever but and this is for me if if I don't understand something that's going on in baseball it doesn't diminish my earning potential or anything but it's frustrating because it's like I want I want to know why this happened and yeah. there's really no solving that because he, you are not in a position, uh, to engage with baseball to the level that you would want to, and that you deserve to, uh, which is why I wouldn't pile on and be like, Moses, no, you just got to do it because I dig
1: that. And I appreciate it. Cause you're saying like, it, it's probably a 10 hour a week floor or something like that.
0: <laughs> it's in Cause it's so variable. Uh, yeah. but, I, but I guess for you, yes. It yeah. would be there are some people who could buy a breakfast and check once a week and, and be fine. But and that contributes to the community. And that's great. Right. Um, that being said, the 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 counterpoint to that is that the fact that, you know, me means that there is no reason that you should not at least in a snapshot understand what is going on in any given chunk of a season. That's a good but, point. Which is why I would love to sit down with you at some point in the near future and watch some baseball and just get you up to speed on this is what's happening in this particular chunk. It's going to be different in two days, but like, I, I just want to—I don't know—maybe it's outside just for of the me. context of your move um, this
1: week. Uh, it might might even be a prime time prior yeah. to our, our next pod. But yeah, no, I'd be I'd be very game to do that uh, sometime in the not too distant future. I think that would be super fun to uh, to get on the old Zoom and uh, for uh, you know w- during an active season, right? Uh, to to spend a, an hour or two digging in with you, I'm I'm very very open to that. It's uh, it allows me a little bit of best of both worlds to get a little bit deeper on the game uh, without having to tether my
0: uh, tether my wagon to a team and uh, and see where it goes. Well. Yes, and on that note, in my mind, this would still involve you tethering your wagon to a team, in that you would be creating an account. Oh, sure. And, and choosing a team, but not you can, necessarily. You know, I, I do or I don't after that. Choose to proceed down right. the. Down your account the can be can be dormant uh, with no ill effects. Really, all that's happening is you're earning coins, you know, while you sleep or whatever. Um, yeah. And that actually brings me to my last, last point, which is the gift shop, which is a new mechanic where you can spend coins to buy gifts for any other team in the league except your team. Oh, that's cool. And you can also spend coins to get a ranked wish list going of the gifts that you want. And uh, magic has been through the ringer, so we certainly deserve to be fourth in the ranking of gifts given. We have gotten our third gift. Now, which which we'll be getting on Thursday, um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, I I certainly look forward to to that moment when we or our when we get to uh, to look into baseball together. That will be fun.
1: Yeah, I'm looking to it. I'm looking looking to it. Looking forward I'm looking to, 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 to it. it. Looking towards it. Looking. I'm looking.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, we are going to look ahead into our final segment, uh, which is make my game and coming this week from evil lion interactive is fusion watch all one word yeah okay okay all right even
1: like evil lion interactive is a great name for for a dev i really i just would like to take one Moment to acknowledge. Every once in a while, it really spits out something delightful on that front. Actually, I've had a few good ones recently. They're from uh, Liverpool, right? Clearly, yeah. Yes, uh, you know, um, they're they're very British. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of the team, anyway. You've got a couple of transplants, right? Right. Um, but yeah, Evil Lion Interactive with Fusion Watch. I, you know, sometimes we've been dished one where you're like, "Why in the world did you concatenate these words?" Random game name generator. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one does work, um, at least it, it feels uh, meaningful, and if it were Fusion Space Watch, it would sound a little bit too much like Firewatch, and um, my brain would be a little more tethered there, uh, whereas Fusion Watch, in this case, um, I almost want to go with it being a wearable device.
0: Ooh, Okay. Which is yeah. good because my brain was, was tethered to Overwatch, which Oh yeah. We we're we're certainly more capable than that. But but the fusion watch, uh is this maybe a sort of a a, a, a current day game and watch kind of situation? Because I, those were a wearable th- that was a watch too back in the day.
1: Or at least a clock, right? Um Yes. <laughs> like, uh, some of them were a little bit bulky to go on the wrist, yes.
0: Uh, yes, uh, yes.
1: But but yeah, yeah. So uh, that's an interesting notion, and I actually like it. We've never been bounded. We haven't spent a lot of time talking mobile games. We've alluded to them a few different times and touched on them a little bit here and there. Um, I I expect, knowing both of us, there will come a, a an episode where one of the other of us will go, yeah, so I've spent the last week doing nothing but playing this this mobile game. <laughs> It's, it's likely, uh, and so let's kind of go with that. Let's okay. go with the notion that um, that this is actually specifically not a console or, or PC game, and that the wa- inclusion of watch in the title is like an intentional, like call out of saying like, hey, this is the platform this is played yeah. on. Um, we're not we're not fucking around here. Uh, we're we're going to try and trailblaze and make a watch based game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is specifically for wearable watches, right? For smartwatches.
0: Right. Yes. Um, or it might even be just a one-off. You buy the, you buy fusion watch and you, you know, it's not available. No, it's like it's not so on it's an Tamag- app store. It's
1: Tamagotchi like. Yes. Yes. Ah, I really like that. That it's a, it's a one-off piece of hardware that is not disposable per se. Um, like us, uh, it can receive updates. The game can mm-hmm. be kind of ongoing, unlike Tamagotchi. Um, where it was like, hey, there or or the original game and watch where this was like a very you know self-contained one-off thing. Mm -hmm. But but fusion watch is a uh um you know wearable watch game that you that you buy that's specifically devoted to to playing fusion watch. Mm -hmm. All right, we've gotten pretty far, but we still have absolutely no idea how the game is played. Uh the one thing I'm gonna say is that I definitely want the game to have a uh either location, motion, or both component to it to really take advantage of wearable, uh, in the way that people have kind of thought about it, but push it further.
0: Ooh, Ooh, that actually is perfectly aligned with, with my initial thoughts, which was that fusion watch is a massively multiplayer game that takes place on your watch where you are trying to, uh, extract the most energy you can from uh, some sort of fusion device, some sort of fusion reactor without it going critical. And what that means is that you are taking the energy from it to fund your various projects to make it give off more energy. But at the same time, you are also taking that power, those units to reinforce the structures and devices that keep the fusion from going critical and blowing up and destroying everyone's like, maybe if it blows up, then everyone loses and everyone has to start over. I'm definitely,
1: I'm definitely digging this. So is it, uh, more of an individual, uh, or more of a guild or team or, uh, you know, sides based, uh, kind of experience. Cause I actually, I kind of, I kind of think that, um, avoiding recreating um uh, what's it called um pokemon go's predecessor
0: uh,
1: uh ingress yeah ingress I- i'd like to avoid recreating ingress in terms of it being like pick one of the two sides like that's been done it's been done very well um of like hey one side's trying to break it the other side's trying to make it whatever yeah. kind of a thing i think it might be more interesting to make take it uh either more towards a kind of guild or team type level or even all the way down to uh, everyone's working individually with their own little like micro sets of goals um, and coordination is necessary, but it's limited in the extent that you can do it.
0: Yeah. And uh, to me, maybe the way you would incentive, incentivize that is uh, uh, the more responsible you are for the meltdown, the more irradiated you become and the lower you start in the next round. like you start at negative 10. So it, so it gives you an incentive for skirting the line of like, oh, we are so close to critical, but if I, if I just do a little more here, you know, uh, but if it blows up, then me and the next 10 people who contributed to this, uh, whether they knew it or not, are now irradiated and will have a much harder time in the next round.
1: I like how this presents the potential for uh, semi-planned, but semi-emergent styles of engagement with some players who might be playing a little more casually, but pro-socially of saying like, I'm not striving to, to, um, you know, to necessarily come out on top as much in terms of the rankings with this round,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, as I am wanting to, to contribute to the duration of this round. You yeah. Know, that could be like one, one style and approach for a player. A player could could shift into that if they maybe have less time to play, um, you know whatever it is that that round, uh, maybe a month, uh, maybe a week. I don't know. Um, I think the, the the duration engagement is something we wouldn't necessarily solve right now in the, in our initial design phase. Um, but that um, but that more generally, you would start seeing players kind of sorting themselves into categories um, for at least durations of play. Where they're they're really trying to fill some specific roles, and that as the game gets updates and kind of expands, that you watch player behaviors, no pun intended, um, and uh, and and you know insert new tweaks and modifications and, and abilities that can allow players to maybe even specialize more in uh, in different defensive or productive uh, approaches to play. Yeah, and I also think maybe, yeah, the rounds are definitely not. I, I never mind. I'm actually answering this, at least in part right now. The, the rounds aren't tied to a fixed duration. Right. Kind of the whole point you've already hinted at that and the watch countdown timer of it or clock yeah. or clocks, like maybe even Doomsday multiple clock. Clocks. But th- maybe there are a couple of intersecting clocks. Yeah. That can can drive each other. So certain clocks can trip and activate the push, the main clock and cause it to jump um or or regress. But they're like separate project clocks all these like little gears. Have you ever seen like a diagram of like the Mayan calendar? Yeah. So kind of like that, right? Only a little more complicated because you have different project clocks that can all kind of interrelate towards the big master clock uh, that that determines sooner or later counts down to zero and uh, and you have critical failure and reboot.
0: Yeah, I I like it. And uh, yeah, and I think you don't even have to incentivize the player to do the altruistic thing that much. I guess going back to baseball briefly, like there is this gift shop, and like I have been having so much fun just giving hundreds of thousands of coins to these other teams for various, like the Tigers. I don't know if you remember, like from a month ago when the Tigers were going to help us out with Jorby Short. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to put 250,000 coins towards the Tigers gift because even though it never worked out, like, uh, you know, I appreciate what what they've done, and I guess one other thought I had on that: let's say that you put into motion this project, and it's going to take ten hours. Yeah. And you then see that within the next ten hours, there's a good chance it's going to go critical, and blow up, and start everything over. You are then incentivized to putting your resources into these safeguards that will that will prevent this meltdown from occurring.
1: I like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm also thinking just to tie this back to the fact that we've got a wearable, um, there's ways to decouple it from the normal way of thinking about this through something that's inherent to location-based gaming from very early on, um, and specifically even physical, like non-digital location-based gaming, mm-hmm. like um, which Ingress did take advantage of in terms of like the geocaching right. kind of approach. So you could either be proximate to somebody, gift a stranger who you've never met who happens to be you know, in the game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or you could, you know, location-based kind of leave a little treasure pocket for somebody to find in terms of resources when your project completes, yeah. um, or give it, you know, give those resources to something that's like an established more meta, you know, not meta, but more, um, overworld, so to speak, accessible, um, from, a, from a game standpoint. Um, and then furthermore, I, I think there's definitely, a, a capacity to tie this to, uh, some player choice about how you can uh, do some physical engagement that like say you are somebody who walks a lot yeah. or you have an objective to walk more that that could feed into one way to to build cycles of one sort or another um, but you could do different things in it in order to create access so that players of different abilities um, can engage in it. it doesn't have to just be a like Oh hey it's extra game you're going to try and get out and walk and that's our main thing that we're doing oh look people are hacking the extra game no no you find ways to make the wearable aspect of it so that if you don't want to to do something physically vigorous there's intentionally designed ways to engage with the watch yeah. to, um to, to work on your projects um maybe commonly uh regardless of the type of project or maybe different types of things can contribute to different types of projects
0: yeah good stuff well yeah, yeah uh coming this week from evil was it evil line entertainment
1: evil line interactive
0: interactive is fusion watch and uh, that brings us into the final segment which is goodbyes as previously established um i did want to mention we have a discord server now um and i will be putting the link to that in the show notes i guess discord links only last a week so i'll just put one in each week and' Uh, click on click on that and come on over and, and say hi. Um, we
1: may out, we may figure out ways to kind of integrate it progressively as time goes on, but we're certainly hoping to, uh, you know, get some get some of y'all visiting. For sure, for sure.
0: Well, uh, yeah, Moses. As always, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me this evening.
1: It has been a delight, Paul. Co hosting is always a delight.
0: Indeed. Well, yes, and thanks to you, uh, everyone out there, for listening to Paul and Moses play, this episode, that is. Uh, If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never stop stop playing. playing!